0: So we started a series last week called Closer Than Ever. And if you weren't here last week and you didn't catch the podcast, uh, to catch you up to speed very, very quickly, we began with a question. I love questions because they stir your heart. A good question can really stir your heart and really change the direction of your life. We started with this question, how close do you feel to God? On a scale of one to ten, how close do you feel to God? Like, a one would be, man, I'm so far from God. I don't even think He knows my name. I haven't touched the Bible in years. You're lucky I'm sitting in church today. I don't talk to Him. He didn't talk to me. Very distant. That would be like a one. Uh, a ten would be like, man, we are tight. We're best buds. We text. We call. We email each other. We're, like we're, we're just we're just in. Like He's my buddy. He's my friend, and I feel His presence, and He gives me direction, and He's talking to me all day long. That would be like a ten. So on a scale of one to ten, where are you? I wanted you to grade yourself. Give yourself a 5, a 6, or a 7, or a 2. And all we wanted to do in this series is move you from, like, wherever you are, whether it's a 3 or a 5 maybe a couple of numbers up or maybe three or four numbers up from a two to a seven or from a four to an eight or something like that so that you can be closer to God. Because what we said last week is that it's possible and it's probably the right thing that, that all of us should be and can be closer to God, yes or no. Like there's room for us to grow and many of us are not where we need to be with God because it's easy to drift isn't it? It's easy to kind of let your relationship with God grow stagnant, get stale, and grow cold. You know, you change jobs, or you have some children, or life gets busy, and you get around the wrong people who don't care about church. They like the party scene. They like to go out. They like to do different things, and all of a sudden, you find yourself far from God. Isn't that true? And what we said in the series is that don't give up because God is not far. He's right there, He's not way off in the distance. In fact, if you were to turn to him today, Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right there. Paul said he's not far from any one of us. So really all we want to do in this series is help you, give you some principles to draw closer to God than you ever have walked with him before. This series is a little bit different in the sense that we're going to go kind of through one passage of scripture, the book of Psalms, uh, verse, uh, chapter 34. We're going to kind of work through that. Why? Because it's both descriptive It describes what a person looks like who's close to God, and it's also prescriptive. It tells us what to do, and so I like, I I really like that psalm, and another thing we're going to do that's a little different is the 21-day fast, the 21-day fast, and if you're new with us here today, and you're like, what's that? Well, fasting is just basically this idea uh, when you deny your body some type of, uh, element some, most of the time it's food, but it could be television, it could be social media, it could be something else. You deny yourself something for a period of time for a specific spiritual purpose. And the purpose of of our fast uh, over the next uh, 14 days or so, because we're seven days in, uh, is to draw closer to God. And so I presented some options to you. Uh, there was the food fast. We started out with like the really intense total 21 day no food, no solid food, just juice, water, coffee, whatever. And then we talked about no junk food and And we talked about maybe the Daniel fast, which was fruits and vegetables. How many of you chose the no junk food just by show of hands? All right. All right. Did you kill anybody yet? You okay? (laughs) You didn't snap? Did you snap yet? Okay. That's tough to give up sugar. Way to go. Way to go. Um, How many of you chose the Daniel fast, just fruits and vegetables? okay awesome awesome uh how many of you chose to do the total no solid food for 21 days anybody crazy enough to try that okay couple of hands great job great job um and so then we said if you didn't want to mess with food you could do television you could do no uh no uh, social media or you could do no uh video games how many of you chose no social media you've been off wow are you okay you're right we need some counseling okay because we can we can help you after the service i know it's tough it's tough all right, so the reason again, why would we do that? sounds crazy The, the only fasting is a catalyst for your spiritual growth. In fact, I mentioned last week that we would have this book, and this book is available for you today if you like to grab a copy. a copy, uh, It's called Awakening, 21 Days to Revolutionize Your Relationship with God. Uh, I just finished it yesterday, and uh, it's a short book, 12 chapters, and so I wanted to read to you something that jumped out to me. This is fantastic. The author is a pastor in Florida. He said, fasting awakens your hunger for God. Fasting awakens your hunger for God. When you shut down your natural appetites, your spiritual appetites wake up. He says you are are more passionate for God and your desire for God becomes greater than your desire for God for other things. And I've noticed that over the last seven days as I've shut down my physical appetite for food, my spiritual desires have have woken up and I'm wanting God more and more and more. And that's what fasting does. It's just a mechanism. It's a catalyst. It's a tool to draw you closer to God. So let's jump into our our, our talk today. We're going to continue to talk about how do we draw closer to God. If you're going to be closer to God than ever, you're going to have to seek Him. You're going to have to seek after God the other day I lost my cell phone ever happened to you and it happens more often than I'd like to admit and it was at this particular moment where the car was running at 6:50 in the morning I've got to get my son to school and everybody's got bags and clothes and jackets and gloves and all these different things and we're on our way out and I realized I don't have my phone I realize I don't know where it is so what do I do I call an all-out search and I'm talking about searching every hot spot in the house where you might put your cell phone, right? Why isn't there one spot? I mean, some of you have figured that out, right? You're smart. I'm not that smart. Uh, so, so I'm like, where is it? Where is it going? I've got my wife calling it. Of course, it's on vibrate, so, you know, you can't hear it. And I've got the kids involved. And there's an all-out search in my house for my cell phone. Why? Isn't it because this thing is extremely valuable? Isn't that the reason? In fact, for me, it's not just my cell phone, it's also my wallet. So I've got cash in there, I've got my ID, can't drive without this, I've got my credit card in there, my debit card in there, I've got my, my insurance card in there, if I, you know, when you take it to the doctor or whatever, it's my wallet, cash, all that stuff. So there's an all-out search because this is incredibly valuable to me. Something struck me when I was doing that search after I was over, because I looked for it until what, until what? So I found it. Of course I did, right? Because you have to have it, right? And so something struck me. I said, you know, sometimes I don't search for things with that type of intensity, like when I lose a pair of shoes and, you know, I can't find them. It's like, well, I'll look for them later because I have multiple pairs. (laughs) Unless they're your favorite shoes. Am I right? And then the intensity of the search goes up. Or how about when you lose, you know, a shirt or something, you're like, "Ah, where is it? Yeah, I don't know. You don't, like, you don't call, you don't get the whole family involved, look for the shirt, unless it's that one that makes you look skinny, you know. (laughs) And then you, then the search, then the intensity of the search goes up, right? This, this is the truth that struck me. It's in your notes there. Isn't this true? The intensity of the search depends on the value of the object that has been misplaced. Isn't that true? Like there's some things you just won't search that intensely for because they're not that important. But when it's really important, you go on an all-out search. You get all your, your, your strategies out, and you get as many people involved as you can because it must be found. Now, it's through that lens, it's through that context that I want you to hear this verse. Jeremiah 29. God says this through the prophet Jeremiah. You will seek me, and you will find me, and that's the purpose of our lives, is to find God. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with how much of your heart? Half? Three quarters? One quarter? 85%? How much of your heart? When when the search is all out, when when you pull out every strategy, when you go at this thing with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, that's when you find me. You say, did Jesus talk about that, seeking, this, seeking me? You bet he did. Matthew 6, this is some of your life verse. This is, for Some of you, this is your life verse. He said, I want you to seek, say it with me, first, not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth, not tenth. The first priority in your life when you get out of bed is to seek first the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? It's the place where God lives. It's the place where God's active. It's the place where God is doing things. It's God himself. He says, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness, all my right ways, all the ways that I do things. I want you to find my paths for living when it comes to relationships and money and sexuality. I want you to figure out my path for your life in all the different areas. Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. And then guess what I'll do? I, get, this, this, I love God. I just love it. He says, and when you do that, when you get, the things, uh, when you get things prioritized correctly, I'll take care of everything else. I know you need a home to live in. I know you need some relationships because you're a relational being. I know you need some money and some cash to live on. I know you need some food and some clothing. I know you need some wisdom when it comes to parenting. Anybody? (laughs) I know, I know, I know you need all that stuff. But here's what I want you to do. Make me the top priority in your life and I will fill in all the gaps. Can I ask you a tough question today? Can I ask you a question that's just going to bother you? You might not even come back next week you're mad at me. What are you really seeking in your life? Like, What's really behind it all? What are you really looking for? Some of you, if you're honest, to you say, I really want a husband. I'm lonely. Some of you, if you're really honest, to say, I really wanna get rid of my husband. <laughs> we tell the truth in church, we do. No point in lying, he sees it all, right? What are you seeking? Security through financial gain, through, through accumulation of financial money, financial wealth, a bigger possessions, bigger cars, nicer homes. Like What, like, what are you really seeking? I mean, I have, the thing that, that's in your heart that nobody really knows or talks about. To be more attractive, more physically attractive. This is a big one for me, just confession time. Oftentimes I find myself, instead of seeking first the kingdom of God, I seek first the success of my children. It's called idolatry. God's been dealing with my heart. I put that above him sometimes. The success of my children. It's a tough one. This is why this question bothers me. Because it gets to the core of my soul. All the hidden motives that no one else can see. What are you really seeking? See, here's the truth today I want you to hear. If you're seeking, if I'm seeking something more than I'm seeking God, I will never be as close to God as I can be. And neither will you. If there's something else that you value more than God, that you're seeking more than God, you will never be as close to God as you can be. Because the prophet Jeremiah, he said, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart, when I'm your treasure. One time Jesus was trying to explain this concept, blows my mind. Matthew chapter 33, Matthew chapter 13 verse, verse 44. Jesus said this. Here's what, the, here's what the kingdom's like. It's like when a man stumbles upon a treasure in a field and, and, and he, all of a sudden he hides it. He covers it up. He's like, whoa, uh, the, this thing is so valuable. I've got to cover it. Why does he cover it up? Because he doesn't want anybody else to find it. And then in his joy, in his excitement, in his happiness, he goes back to his house. He sells everything he has and he gets the cash. He puts everything on eBay, <laughs> gets the money, comes back. And what does he do with the field? he buys the field. Why does he buy the field? Because of the treasure that's in it. What is Jesus saying? Jesus isn't saying, leave here today and go put all your stuff on eBay. That'd be crazy, okay? Not going back to that church. (laughs) Jesus is not saying that. He's just saying, I am so incredibly valuable that it's, I'm worth you selling everything you have so that you could get me my ways, my kingdom, my person. (sighs) What are we really dealing with here when we deal with Jesus? Perhaps we're dealing with the most precious possession in the universe. Perhaps. See, I believe we're not close to God or we're not as close to God as we should be because we don't understand who we're dealing with. We don't understand what we're dealing with when we talk about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And if we could understand the value of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, we would go on an all-out search, wouldn't we? Because the the intensity of the search, it depends on the value of the object. And if we valued God as supreme in our life, what would we do every single day before we left the house? Talk to me. What would we do? We'd call the kids in. Get in here. We're finding God. We'd get our wife in the room, our husband in the the room. we got to find God because he is most important in our life. And I'm not leaving the house until I find him. Wow. So what David's going to do in Psalm 34, you know what he's going to do? He's going to help us understand the value of God because he's sought after God. There's incredible value to God. Two things David's going to show us. Number one, let's talk talk about it. He's going to show us that when you seek God, you're going to experience deliverance you're going to experience deliverance. Deliverance is a great Bible word. It's a synonym for salvation. We talk about being saved as Christians. What does that mean? That means you're delivered from the power and the penalty of sin. You've been literally rescued out of the trap of sin and death. That's salvation, right? It means deliverance. I remember when I was a little kid, uh, probably in the sixth grade, there was this bully in the seventh grade. Anybody else have a bully in their life? This kid would literally do the typical bullying. He would come over to me and he'd punch me and take my money. He would, he would take my money. I'd have to pay him to stop hitting me. So I was a skinny little kid. I mean, really skinny, like <laughs> pathetically skinny. And it hurt. So I went home one day and I told my dad around the dinner table, I said, You know, there's this kid at school. He punches me, he takes my money. I kid you not. <laughs> my dad looked at my brother who was tough and thick. He was one of those seventh graders that had a mustache. I didn't get those jeans, okay? (laughs) My dad looked at my brother and he said, tomorrow I want you to beat the crap out of that kid. (laughs) And I thought at the dinner table, what have I done? (laughs) This is a totally true story. One day you'll meet my brother, it's unbelievable. He'll tell it better than I can, but he, he he came to my lunch period the next day on my father's directions sat next to this kid, and I said, what are you gonna do? He said, when the bell rings, I'm gonna beat the crap out of him. <laughs> so I'm like, I've, I've never seen this before. I'm, I'm a sixth grader, you know? The bell rings, my brother jumps on this kid, and this kid was a big kid. He was like le- one of those left back kids, you know what I'm talking about? They, never, they just leave him back, so he's all developed and all that stuff. He, he jumps on this kid, grabs him in the headlock, and starts going boom, boom, boom like three or four shots right to the nose I'm watching it like whoa <laughs> Not, no joke no joke the kid's nose splits open and blood starts gushing everywhere I mean down his shirt he's got him on the table he's got him on the ground he won't let go of his neck he keeps hitting, he keeps hitting him you know I honestly this, this kid was a bully and, and so the principal there was there he kind of watched <laughs> he let it go Instead of my brother getting expelled, he sent him back to class. It's unbelievable. True story. Guess what happened that day? I was delivered. (laughs) I mean, that's what this word means. And I never picked a fight with my brother again. (laughs) Never. Deliverance. David sought God because God was the God who delivered. Listen to verse 4. Watch this. David says in verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he what? What did he do? Delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. See, God delivered David from four particular things. The first one was fear, and I know you have fear, and I know how I have fear: fear of the future, fear of what's going to happen. Someone's been diagnosed. Someone's got a, a, a found, they found a lump in in, in in the chest or something like that. Or I, I know life is filled with all kinds of bad news, and there's all kinds of fear that go along: fear about the future, fear about the the, 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 the political situation in our country today. I mean, there's you could be afraid of everything today. David says, you want to know why I seek God? Because he delivers me from my fears. Very practical. Listen to what he says in verse 15. This is a theological statement. Same Psalm, verse 15. Watch this. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are toward their cry. I love this verse because it basically David is revealing his theology about how God relates to us. He's looking down at us and his ears are or he's going like this his ears are toward our cry in other words he wants to deliver us when we cry out to him why does David seek after God David seeks after God for very practical reasons for deliverance from fear but it's not just fear it's also shame deliverance from shame and and we don't talk about shame a lot in church but but we should and we're probably going to talk more about it Brene Brown says that shame is can be defined this way Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love or belonging. It's this idea that because of what has happened to me or because of what I've done in the past, I'm flawed, I'm damaged goods, and I'm not worthy of anyone's love or or, or to belong to anybody. People can feel shame about almost anything. They can feel shame about the family they came from, mistakes that they've made in the past. You can feel shame about a divorce, you can feel shame about a DUI, a bankruptcy. People can feel shame about their physical appearance. You name it, people are feeling shame. It's this, it's this very real pain that comes from something that's happened to us. Maybe you've been sexually abused in the past or something happened. Maybe you were the sexual abuser in the past. Things that you've done its like and you hang your head in shame. Listen to David in verse 5. Those who look, there's the seeking right there. Those who seek God, those who look to him, they're radiant. Their faces are shining. They're bright. Their heads are up. Watch this. And their faces shall never be, say it with me, ashamed. The word means to be humiliated. There will be no more humiliation when you seek God. David is saying the reason I seek God is very practical because he delivers me from all of my shame. How's that work as a Christ follower? Well, if you know the Bible when you seek after God and you find Christ, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes? Have you read that? It says in Psalm 103 that as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions or our sins from us. in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, it says, though your sins were like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Anybody excited about that? When we come to Christ, he delivers us from all of the shame. He wipes it away. He gives us a clean slate, a down do-over, a fresh start. And he says, don't you dare hang your head because you're my daughter. You're my son. And I have forgiven you and I have cleansed you. That's powerful. That'll change your life. Why do I seek God? Why did David seek God? Because he delivers us from all of our shame. But it's not just our shame, it's also our trouble. Have you ever noticed that life is filled with trouble? Trouble here, trouble there, trouble everywhere. Have you noticed that? Trouble in your body, trouble in a marriage, trouble in a, a financial situation, trouble at work, trouble, you know, a conflict. A, I mean, there's trouble. Every, I was listening to at Starbucks the other day. I was with a friend of mine. And, and, uh, and I overheard a conversation, and the girl simply said, why is life so hard? And I, th- I wanted to say, amen. It's hard. It's filled with trouble. Listen to David in verse 6. This poor man cried. This, this man who's, who's empty, I've got nothing. He comes to God humbly, and he says, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and did what? Saved him. That's the word, deliver. Saved him how, out of how many troubles? all of his troubles. David sought God for very practical reasons, because God delivered him from his troubles. Did he have troubles? Yeah, he was on the run for his life. Saul was trying to kill him, chase him down, hunt him like a dog. He was afraid for his life, and God kept delivering David out of Saul's hand every single time. Wow. Charles Spurgeon was a preacher back in 1885, 1855 or so, and I, I have his commentaries on, the, on the, all of the psalms. They're called The Treasury of David. Fantastic series, a set of three books. He said this about verse 6. Prayer, when we cry out to God, can clear us of troubles as easily as the Lord made riddance of the frogs and the flies of Egypt when Moses cried out to God. If you know your Bible, what's he talking about? What episode in Exodus? He's talking about what? He's talking about the Exodus. When the plagues came down. And, and, and then Pharaoh would say, okay, uncle, I give. And then Moses would cry out to God and whatever plague was there, God would remove it. You have some flies, you have some frogs in your life, yes or no, that need to go? The Bible simply says, when you cry out to God, he will deliver you from all of your troubles. Look at verse 17, I love it. This is, again, this is David's theology, watch this. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Now, I know that doesn't work every time. And I know it's not immediate sometimes. Sometimes the trouble doesn't go away. You say, I know you like to argue with the preacher because I do it too. So you might be thinking, well, I've tried that before. I've asked God to remove this trouble from my life. And it hasn't worked. Can I just say that your time is not God's time. That the trouble remains there for a purpose. There's something he's trying to teach you. There's something he's trying to change in you. He's trying to use the trouble to get into your soul and rearrange things in your life. But when the time is right, it's still true. When the righteous cry out to God, he delivers them from all of their troubles. When I was with my friend at Starbucks the other day, he, he didn't know what my sermon was going to be about. He started telling me, he said, Danny, you're not going to believe this. But you know about the relationship I was in, and I kind of knew what, what was going on. It was, a, it was a bad relationship he was in with his girlfriend, and things went south pretty quickly. And he said, you know, I just want out. I just want to get away. I just want to detach myself. But they were intertwined and, and in different ways, and it was kind of a complicated situation. Isn't that how life goes Sometimes. And he said, but you're not going to believe this. I prayed that God would set me free, or I can't believe if I used that phrase or not, but that it would be over. And the next day she called me and she said, I want nothing to do with you anymore. <laughs> and you could just see the joy in his face that he got away. <laughs> He got away from the crazy woman. Now, I know that story. Listen, I know that story flip flops, and some of you have gotten away from the crazy dude, the controlling maniac man. You know, it's like, God, get me away from this guy. It's not about guy or girl, it's just the fact that God delivered him. It was miraculous. She decided what nothing to do with you anymore. It's true. When the righteous cry out to God, he delivers them from all their troubles. But it's not just the troubles, it's also danger. Danger. Our world is filled with danger. Do you agree? Yeah, you can hardly turn the television on anymore without finding out, you know, some new school or, or college or, or mall has been shot up with somebody, some crazy people with, with automatic weapons, right? It's like, it's nuts. It's dangerous. It's not a safe place to live in this world sometimes. Danger. David sought after God because... God was his protection. Listen to verse 7. He says the angel of the Lord encamps, squats down, surrounds, hovers over. That's what this word encamps mean. Around those who fear him. And what does he do? What does the angel do? Delivers him. The angel of the Lord, one angel David knew that one angel could protect his life from danger. We have dangers in our life. We need we need God's protection. There's a great story in 2 Kings. Every time I go through the Bible each year, every time I come to this story, I'm always amazed by it. I don't know why it catches me off guard, but it does. The story is simply this. In 2 Kings, there's this army, big army, the Assyrian army, a godless nation with a really powerful king named Sennacherib. That's a cool name, right? You name your kid that, right? Get over here, Sennacherib. It's almost, like a, it's almost like demeaning, you know, Sennacherib. You know, I don't know. Anyway. This this king, Sennacherib, he's got this powerful army, and they're just marching through the whole region, just defeating nation after nation after nation. Well, guess who the next nation was? The nation of Israel. And their king at that particular time was Hezekiah. And so Hezekiah goes before the Lord and says, if you don't deliver us, we're toast. We're done. I'm paraphrasing. But basically, that's the prayer that he prays. Watch what happens in 2 Kings. This is unbelievable. The next day, watch what happens. That night, there's the angel that David was talking about in verse 7. The angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and and he went to town on these guys. He killed 185, these were the bad guys, okay? These were the guys that were godless, they were mocking God, they wanted to destroy Israel, God's people. One angel destroyed 185,000 men. Look at the next verse, it says this. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere and they got out of there. (laughs) They left town. We live in a, a world that's filled with danger. You know what? God's angel and protect us see david sought after god not because god was a nice theoretical idea but because god delivered him from all of these different things his fear his shame his troubles and danger how about you but it's not just deliverance it's also satisfaction number two you experience satisfaction satisfaction i went to a christmas party um this last christmas And a friend of mine had ordered some steaks from Ruth Chris. And uh, he, he was cooking them on the back porch. And when he brought them in, he kept bringing them in. It was tray after tray after tray. It was unbelievable. He had cut up the steak in little pieces with little toothpicks. And some of it was filet mignon, and some of it was New York strip, and some of it was all these different types of steak cuts. It was the best party I have ever been to. because it was just, every 10 minutes, amazing. See, some of you are vegans, and I don't understand that, but <laughs> <laughs> you're probably gonna live longer than the rest of us, so keep it up, but, but, um, but the taste of filet, it was so juicy. It was like melting in your, you ever, have you ever had that experience? And it, this is a hard example, because I haven't eaten food in seven days, so this, I struggle right now. This is a tough one. My mouth's kind of watering right now, as I remember. <laughs> It was unbelievable, each bite. I mean, it was like some of them are rare, some of them are medium rare. It was beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that a person never does a study when it comes to sin? Have you noticed that? They don't like do a book study or, you know, maybe I want to commit some adultery. Let me figure this out. I'd like to get smashed out of my mind and shoot, shoot heroin in my veins. Let me, where are the books? Let's see if this is worth it. Now, what do they do? They just go ahead and try it, right? Yes or no? They try it. They experiment. They have an experience. Sin is all about experience. Listen to verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. David understands that if we are going to be close to God, we have to experience God. We don't need to do a theological study to figure out, is this worth it? Should I, really, should I really commit my life to God? David says, no, 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 no. You need to experience him. See, at that Christmas party, when I was eating that steak, here's what I said to my friend repeatedly. This is so good. It's so good. Listen. Listen. Taste and see that the Lord is he's good. Not because I taste something in my mouth or, or, or anything like that, or I smell something in my nose. No, but because I have, I have this spiritual appetite. And when I taste God with my faith, I find that he is good. He satisfies. There's satisfaction. David says, you want to know why I seek God? I seek him because he satisfies my soul if you and i are ever going to walk close to god we have to approach god that way not from a theological i need to understand more no no no. i think there's a place for that but from a place of saying god i want to taste you i want to know that you are good blessed are those who take refuge who put their trust in you charles spurgeon said this about how to taste god listen to this faith is the soul's taste you say how do i taste god You put your faith in him. You trust him. Those who test the Lord by their faith, by their confidence, always find him to be what? Delicious. Good. And they become themselves blessed. The reason I'm a Christian today is because I tasted. I tasted. I didn't do a study on God. I didn't do a study of Hinduism and the Muslim faith and the Jewish faith and all the different faiths. I didn't do a study on all the faiths and then decide Christianity makes the most sense. I didn't do that. You know what I did? I tasted, I opened up my soul, and I said, God, if you're there, come in. If you're real, if you love me, I want to know you. And God invaded my soul, and here's what I felt. Here's what I tasted. I tasted joy. I tasted peace. I tasted meaning and purpose. And I thought, wow, that's good. I want more of that. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Why did David seek God? Why did he seek him? He sought him because God delivered him from fear, from shame, from troubles, from danger, and he also satisfied him in his soul in a way that nothing in this world ever could. My question to you today is this, and it's I hope it bothers you. I hope it bothers you. Will you seek him? And really what I'm asking you is not, will you seek him? It's probably the wrong question. Will you value him enough to where you will go on an all-out search until you find him? Because the intensity of the search depends on the value of the object misplaced. My hope today was to raise, or my, my, my goal today was to raise the value of God in your eyes so that you would go home today and say, I need God. I need God more than anything else. And you would start to seek him and start to create times of silence and solitude and fasting and prayer and, and scripture memorization so that you would find him and be satisfied and delivered. I hope I did a decent job doing that today for you. Will you seek him? Will you value him? He is precious. Now, I've created a little song here. Okay, I didn't create a song, uh, I asked our worship team to sing a song because I want you to respond. During this song, I want you to draw near to God. If you want to come down front here and kneel down and pray, there's nothing necessarily super spiritual about that, but if you want to dedicate your life to God if you by, by a physical act, if you want to raise your hands, if you want to stand up during this last song, if you want to say, God, I want to seek you with my life, here, th- that's why we've, we've put this song at the end because I want you to respond and I want you to seek him. And then when the song's over, I'll come back up and wrap us up. Would you remain standing with me for a moment? Jesus said that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. The Bible says that we are to seek Him, but then Jesus flips it over and says, I'm seeking you. Amazing. This truth overwhelms me. When I was 15, 16, 17 years old, I heard, I heard the message that God wanted me. Wait, 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 wait. Does he know what kind of person I am? How rude I am? Uh, how I'm, I'm a thief? And I'm, I'm obnoxious? And he wants me? Yeah, Jesus said, I want you. I came for you. I came to this earth to die on a cross, to wash away all that sin, to wash away all that shame, to make you a brand new person. And he did it because He loved us. He did it because He loves you. Perhaps today, when you say on a scale of 1 to 10, man, I'm a minus 2. I don't even know Jesus. Guess what? He, he's seeking you right now. You can begin a relationship with Him by simply putting your trust and confidence in Him. That He died for you on the cross. That He rose again the third day to wash away what separated you and Him. Sin. Say, well, how do, I, how do I step into that relationship well you, you simply trust him, you put your faith in him you put your confidence in him through prayer you reach out to him and you say something like this, dear Jesus come into my life wash me, forgive me, cleanse me make me your child and in that very moment you become his child his son, his daughter if you'd like to do that right now I invite you to close your eyes and bow your head you say I've never prayed before, that's okay you can take my words, make them your own prayer reach out to God with what little faith you have, it doesn't take much. Say this to Jesus. Jesus, I trust you. I come to you without all the answers, but with a little bit of faith. I believe you died on the cross for me. And three days later, you rose again so that I could be with you. Wash me today. Cleanse me today. Restore me today. Pour your spirit into me today. Make me your child today. I place my confidence in you. And from this day forward, help me to live my life in a way that honors you. When I mess it up, give me grace. Give me strength to stand back up and keep going. Help me to seek you with my entire heart. For deliverance, yes, but also for satisfaction. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer very quickly, we would like to put a gift in your hands as a church. A a copy of the one-year New Testament. And Here's why. It's so important that you understand why. Because God is a communicating God. He talks to us in many ways, but primarily he speaks to us through his word. And so we want you to have a copy of the Bible. It's broken down. This little New Testament is broken down into about five-minute readings. So you can get a little bit of God's Word in your mind before you go to work, before you go to school in the morning, whatever it is. I read these same passages every day. And as you read the Word of God over the long haul, what He begins to do is shape you and feed your spirit and mold you, show you what needs to change in your life, show you what His will is for your life. And so if you, if you pray to receive Christ today, please go grab one of these on the way out. There's tables in the back to my right and to my left. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. The intensity intensity of the search depends on the value of the object that has been misplaced. Is God extraordinarily valuable to you? If he is, you will begin seeking him with all of your heart. And guess what? You will begin finding him. He will deliver you and he will satisfy you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, for working in our hearts today through the music, through the spoken word. Thank you for for producing in our hearts the changes that need to be changed, for breaking down the hard soil, the coldness, the distance, and drawing us into yourself. Help us to seek you. Help us to find you because you are who we need in this life. I hope you were pleased today by what was said and what was sung. And uh, we just want to honor you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Next week, week number three. Check out the app. For I'm going to make a quick video to encourage you on your fast. Bring a friend next week. God bless you. We'll see you.